Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off the last line on the bottom, page 82b. Hashem's help, we're going to finish, conclude the seventh chapter in Baba Kamna. Dedicate this class, our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land, especially those who are on the front line. May all the wounded have a full and speedy recovery and all the hostages return home safely. That the rabbi is prohibited the learning of Chachma Yavan. Is this actually forbidden? But can you learn the Brais? Rabbi says, We continue in 83. Why do we speak the language of Sursi in the land of Israel? Sursi is like from, from Syria. It's like Aramaic. See, it's like a bastardized version of, of Aramaic. It's like Canadian French versus real French. So it's called Sursi. Why? Either speak Hebrew. Why don't they speak Hebrew? Make a Hebrew the official language. Or, or Greek. So we see that Greek is an option. You could speak Greek. Why do they speak? Why do the Jews speak Babylonian in, in Iraq and Aramaic? Why don't they speak either Hebrew or Persian, which is nicer, a nicer language than the Aramaic? Because Babel was captured by the Persians and. Um, so they, so they were close to Persia and they were also captured by the Persians. So they let them speak Persian. Israel was captured by the Greeks. Let them speak Greek. Why Sursi? So we see clearly that uh, Yavon is, is okay. So Gemara answers, Amri, they answered in Yeshiva, Lashon Yavon and It's two separate things. The language, the Greek language, is okay. It's the wisdom they teach that's no way. No, it's not that. It's 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 different language, but it's like the language of the elite. Lashon Yavan is is the is the common folk, the common folk. It's like it's like the aristocrats in Europe only spoke French or the fancy French. It was like a, the language of the aristocrats. The aristocratic Greek that that's what they forbid. Exactly, it was the court language. And this court language, this aristocratic language, is forbidden. He said upon himself, that my eyes, my eyes are are from crying. My eyes are going to waste from crying. I'm crying on my family. From all for Elif Yiladim, also also in the Gemara say to Elif Yiladim. A thousand a thousand boys, a thousand children in the household of my father. Five hundred of them, half of them learned Torah. Half of them learned There's no one left. After the destruction, they were all killed. The only one that's left alive is me here in the land of Israel. And my first cousin, my father's brother's son in Asia. 
So we see in the household where Ram Gamliel they learn Chachma Yavan is how you say it's forbidden. The Gemara answers Amri they said shiny based on Ram Gamliel is different. So he claimed the Malk since they were close to the royalty, they were close to the kingdom. Tanya like we learn Sapra Kumi. Whoever cuts his hair and leaves, like you leave he cut your hair in the back and you leave here in the front. It's called Bluris. That's what they used to It's the way of the Goyim. We worship idols. On the contrary, we cut the hair in the front and just leave the hair in the back. Like make a round, like a bold, bold in the front and the hair in the back. So this is the way of the Amoydi. This is the way they would honor their idols. A Jew is not allowed to do so. So they're not allowed to follow in their statutes. The... Um, 162, you're not allowed to follow the end of Kedoshin. So they allowed him to blend in, they allowed him. And also by based on Gamliel, little Emlis they gave him special dispensation. They show you It was a reason. No, it's not an absolute prohibition. You're not allowed to do it if your purpose is, your intent is to be like the goyim. Here, on the contrary, their intent was to infiltrate the goyim, not to be like the goyim. It's like a spy has to dress up like his enemy. You know, so it's, 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 he's not the enemy. So there's a special. His intent is not to blend in with the Goyim, to be like the Goyim. His intent is to blend with the Goyim, to have influence. So therefore, there was special permission. So they, they forbid, they forbid the language. How come Yavon is this aristocratic, to teach your child this aristocratic uh, language? The Greek. Okay, it says now, Mishnah, you're not allowed to raise dogs unless they're chained. Because their barking could scare the women and cause them to miscarry. Tell the rabbis, the rabbis learn. They got one of them as I tell the not to raise dogs because they bite and they bark and they frighten. We first moved to Manhattan. Every time we walked down the streets, our kids would run between our feet. You know, in Brooklyn, we grew up. They grew up. They didn't. There was no dogs here. There were more dogs than people. They, 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 were, they were terrified. Unless he's chained. By the border, you need the dogs to keep Hamas away, to keep the animals away, to keep the human animals away, the criminals. So therefore, you're allowed to have it. You need that extra protect protection. And if they're not trained, you know they will they will protect. Them. So you you let them loose at night, but during the day. During the day, you're not afraid of the enemy. The enemy sneaking in, in the middle of the night. That's when you have to, in the middle of the day, you have to tie them up. You let them loose at night. Can you learn the Bible? The great Rabbi The great Rabbi Whoever raises dogs and doesn't tie them, chain them, it's like a Magadol Chazid. It's the equivalent of if he's raising pigs. What's he coming to teach me? You're not allowed to raise pigs. You're not allowed to raise dogs. What does it add? Oh, if you're raising dogs, it's like you're raising pigs. Uh, what are you adding? So the answers. What he's adding is, it means he's cursed. 
Not only if you raise dogs, the rabbit said, you're not allowed to, you're violating a rabbinic, a rabbinic edict. But it says, cursed is the one who raises pigs. So if you're raising dogs and you don't train them, he's elevating. It's not only you're violating this rabbinic edict, but you're cursed. You're bringing a curse upon yourself. When, the, when they said at that moment, they said, cursed is the one when they, they raised the pig instead of the sheep. The cursed is the one. So curse is, is much more as much more implications than just violating an edict. Bavel, which is a great expanse of land. It's like a city that's by the border. So you're allowed to raise dogs to protect yourself. Who said this in the name of Nachman? Explain what he meant is referring to the city of Nardo. Because the city of Nardo was next to the city of Goyim. On one hand, is next to a city of Goyim. Even though the city of Nardo is not literally by the border, but it's considered like the border. And that just all by the border means you're the border of Goyim. You have Goyim, you have enemies. The border separating you and your enemies. You have to protect yourself from Hamas, from Hezbollah. So you have to let unleash the dogs. Let the dogs run loose. But here, Nardoz is a middle smack in the middle of Bavil. It's not, a, it's not a border town, but it's considered like a border town because the local villages nearby are Goyim. So yeah, the Jewish community has to protect itself. Expounded. It says it says in when the Yidin would rest in the desert, they would say Shuva Hashem Yisrael. Tens of thousands of Jews. Lamda comes to teach Hashem should rest. So you have to have a minimum, there has to be a minimum of twenty two thousand Jews. Rivava is 10,000. Nivava is in the plural is 20,000. Two, two Rivavas. And Alfe is, is the plural of thousands, so at the minimum of 2,000. So you have to have a minimum of 22,000 for Hashem Shechina to rest. So if Chaserachas, if it's missing, you're 21,999, you're missing one Jew. One missing. And a woman was pregnant. She's about to give birth. She's about to complete that one child. It's going to draw down the Shechina. He's going to be the number of the 22,000th. And because of a dog, he pillowed the dog barking. She had a miscarriage. So you caused the Shechina by unleashing your dog. Frightening this poor woman, causing her to miscarry, you cause the Shechina. The consequence, the implication is so great that you cause the Shechina to leave the Jewish people. It tells a story. A woman went up, she was pregnant, she went to bake in a certain home. Not everyone had an oven in their house, she went to the house to bake. So the dog in that house, they had dogs and they barked. So the owner said, don't be afraid of this dog. I took out his teeth. <laughs> it, can't, it can't bite. The bark is greater than the bite. There's no bite. 
So the woman said to the owner of the dog, don't do me any favors. Shadia Khizri. Because, yeah, throw your favor and throw it on, on the thorns. But she didn't know that they will take She didn't know. It's too late. Now you tell me. The trial is already dead. You told me before. Okay. You're not allowed to spread out nets to catch. catch. As long as you have four mil within the town. Four mil, like two miles, a little more than two miles within town, you can't spread nets to capture doves and turtle doves because you can doves because you can end up ca- capturing the doves that belong to private people because doves hop around. Do doves go so such a great two miles? Thirty this. But now we learn the Mishnah. We're going to learn about the Basra. We're going to learn the Mishnah. You have the distance, the coop of the dove, the dove coat. You have the distance of Mishnah, like 75 feet. Because the doves will, with 50 feet, they're going to go to the garden and the seeds that you plant to grow, they'll eat it. So we see that they only travel 50, 50 amas, 75 feet or so. So why do you have to slice him this? Which is, which is uh, more than two miles. They fly and they happen, they fly even, even a little more than two miles. That's why you're not allowed to spread out nets within 30 days of town. Their stomachs They eat what's nearby. Only within 50 nama do they eat. So they may they may fly out, but they're not going to eat. By the first 50, they're already filled. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. The first 50, they they eat their fill. First thing you do before you go on a trip. When what do Jews do? The first thing when they start the trip. You start eating. That's the first thing you do. You take out your sandwiches. So they, they're right. They fill themselves up. They fill up. Their stomach is filled by the first 50. And then they just fly. And, yeah. If they're ready flying, only 30 days. Not more. If it's a place, a settled place, you're not allowed to spread your net, even if it's 100 mil. That's 300,000 feet. 300,000 feet. 50 miles. You're not allowed to spread nets because it's coming from private. You're going to capture someone's private. You might answer. The Bryce is talking about that there's. It's a, it's a place, an area which has all these vineyards. So since they're jumping from vineyard to vineyard or from garden to garden, therefore they can, they can go a long distance, even more than 100 mil, even if it's more than 100 mil. But here we're talking about, it's not the middle of nowhere. It's not, it's, not a, it's not one garden leading to the other garden, one vineyard leading to the other vineyard. So therefore, if it's 30 this. A little more than two miles, then then it's okay. They're not going to fly 
such a great distance. Another answer, Rabbi Amar, Rabbi answers, Yishuf Shefim. We're talking about, this is the area where they have the dovecots. The dovecots, the dovecots, however you pronounce it, they're, they're going from one to the other. So they're, they're going to jump from one to the other. So they, they'll travel even more than 100 miles. So then why does the Brais have to say you're not allowed to catch a net because 100 mil? Nothing with 100 mil. If it's a whole, whole bunch of dovecots, then, then, then your your net is fifth is right next to the to the closest dove cut. You're gonna ca- capture those doves, which is prohibited. Save them from shaykh and gufaya. Boy, same if you want a lancer, but they belong to goyim. So there's no prohibition. I don't have to worry about the dove cuts of the the doves that come from uh, from them. The only problem is that the city, from the city, the Jews are living in the city, but they're going to, their doves, the Jews' doves are going to use the dove cuts to jump from one to one, and they'll go a long distance, a great distance, even more than 100 miles. Why? You're not allowed to steal from a guy. Why is it okay? Because really, even a Jew would be okay. Because once the dove leaves and jumps out, it's, it's ownerless. It's, 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 no one can claim it. How are you going to claim it? I recognize my dove. I mean, uh, I don't know if it came from you. It came from 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 the from elsewhere. It's ownerless. There's no way to prove it. So even by a Jew, it's only because a Jew is a brother and a sister. So we go beyond the letter of the law and we say it's prohibited. But there's no reason legally to say it's really prohibited. Ibai say we want to answer, but the hefke, the dove goats are hefke ownerless. So there's no problem. Yiboy say, if you want to answer, but they they belong to him. So I'm allowed to capture my own doves. The problem is that someone else's doves will use his doves to hop and skip and to jump and to fly and will go far away from a city. We finish Pedic Maduba. Here you see clearly this Pedic Maduba, the seventh chapter of Baba Kama, Kolashvi and Chavivin. It's so dense, it's so rich, it's so filled with so much content. It's amazing. Okay, we continue, we begin chapter 8, we'll come on top of page 83b. If you, you wound, you hurt your friend, you have to pay, you have to pay five different payments. Benezek, for the damage, Bitsar for the pain, the doctor bills, medical bills, the shevas, the unemployment that you cause, the boishas, and the embarrassment, the shame. He explains. So you poked at his eye. You blinded him. Cut his other. You chopped off his arm. He broke his leg. So how do you evaluate? What's the value? It's priceless. How much is your eye worth? It's priceless. But you evaluate if you were in the slave market. How much would a slave fetch if he had eyes, if he's not blind? And how much is he? How much does he fetch with the blind eye? And that's the difference. That's what you have to pay. We look at him. We evaluate like ever like a slave that's sold in the market. The shaman. We evaluate. How much is worth with the eye, and how much is he worth without the eye? And you diminish this value, and that's what you have to pay. So there's a marketplace value on that. Uh, on that uh, damage. Next payment, sar pain. Kobu bishvut ibn masmer vafil al tzipayin What if he he, he he burnt him with a with a with a hot iron or with a nail? Even on his uh, on his na- on his nails, which doesn't make a wound. It's not a wound in the flesh. 
Oimdim, we evaluate how much would a person, if you paid a person, how much would a person pay to undergo such pain? You know, for the right price, some, someone would do it. Okay, you pay me $10,000, I'll let you poke me with a hot rod. <laughs> so that's the value, that's, that's, you have to pay him for the pain. Others say, no, why, why would the person, the person for all the money in the world, the person wouldn't want you to poke him with a hot rod to have that pain. What he means is, let's say the king sentenced you, the government sentenced you, that's your punishment. You have to, we have to poke you with a hot rod. How much would you pay to avoid it? How much is it worth for you that you should avoid this pain? So that, that amount of money that you're ready to put down, you shouldn't have this pain that's what you have to pay him that's the pain that you caused him and the value of that pain is the monetary value is how much, how much he would have paid not to have that pain and instead you, you gave him that pain Okay, so you have to pay him pay him that amount of money the next payment is the medical bills. He if he hits him, you have to make sure that he has all the all the doctor's bills. All the If afterwards he had bed sores or things going on, but if it's a result, direct result of your wound to him, then you have to pay. It's all part of the. You're responsible. If not. Then, then you're exempt. What if he was healed? And then again, he got sick again. And he was healed. And then again, he got sick. Because it's all a result of the original wound. He never really recovered. He recovered briefly and then he's back in the hospital. In other words, so it's all from the original wound, so you have to pay. He relapsed, so you have to pay for everything. But if he's totally, totally healed, and he's back in the hospital for something else, for another reason, right, because it's not a direct result. Payment is... Sheves, unemployment. You don't pay him for unemployment, how much he would have gotten if he had both hands. I chopped off one hand. He lost that. And, like and I paid him already for the hand. I paid already for the hand. He paid for the arm, but he can still do work without an arm. As a guard. He's watching yeah, guard. He's watching the field. Doesn't have to move his hand. Doesn't have to use his hands. Cucumber field. Doesn't have to use his hands. He already paid. But this you can do even with a broken leg, with a broken arm. You just have to sit there and just scare off anyone that comes, you know, that it's, that it's guarded. So, therefore, now that you caused him his illness and he can't, he can't work, so you have to pay the unemployment, deprived income, the loss of income. Boitius, and the final payment for the shame and the embarrassment. How do you evaluate? He says, it's very subjective. It depends who is embarrassing you. It depends who is being embarrassed. 
if an important person embarrasses you, it's very embarrassing. Right, if a shmendrik embarrasses you, no. Okay. If the person who's embarrassed himself is a shmendrik, what's the big deal? The person is embarrassed, is dignified, you embarrassed him, it's, worth, it's, it's a lot more, the shame is a lot more, it's much greater. It's a very personal country. The ones who embarrasses you, if the nobody embarrasses you, it's more embarrassing. Someone important embarrasses you, wow, he knows my name. He insulted me. It's an honor. <laughs> but if it's someone who's a low life, embarrasses a distinguished person, it's very shameful. Like, it's, like, it's more shameful. <laughs> there was a comedian. Why? Why do you get away with this evaluation? With paying for the eye? You evaluate what it's worth in the market, the slave market that says "I in tackles I in potato." Says an eye for an eye, a my in mamish. Now he's questioning. We know it's already a tradition from from day one from Moshe. We already heard from Sinai that this is what it means. Moshe gave Hashem gave Moshe also the oral potato, but the Gemara is asking. But it's not what it says in the potato. Why did then the potato say an eye for an eye? It doesn't even enter our mind such a thought. You take revenge. You blinded me, I'm going to blind you. Everyone, everyone in town is going to walk around blind. <laughs> if you chop off, chop off his hand, you chop off his hand. You broke his leg, I'm going to break your leg. It says in the past, the teaches us, Taylor juxtaposes if you wound a person, if you wound an animal. Clearly, if you break the leg of the, of the animal, you're not going to break your leg. The Torah there says you have to pay. The Damaris also, when you hurt a person, the Torah says you have to, it's a financial payment, it's a money. If you want, if you want, I'll tell you in addition something else. It says like tiku kaiful and Says you're not allowed to take a payment, a ransom, for the murderer. You kill someone, you can't take a ransom. You can't take a ransom. I'll pay the deficit. I'll give a billion dollars. Just let me go. Let me go. Don't kill me. No, you can't ransom your way out. And also for Ari Mikloth, even if you kill unintentionally, there's no ransoming your way out. So we so we we say we interpret as follows. Emphasizing that you can't redeem a ransom a murderer because you took a life. But if you took a leg, you took a hand, you took an eye, even though it's irreplaceable. But it doesn't matter. I didn't take a life. I didn't kill you. So therefore, then I could ransom it. They're talking about the... The mother will say, why, why does he need... What, if you don't like what I told you, I'll give you another proof. Well, why, why could you refute the first proof? It's, power, it's strong enough. Anyway, so the mother says... The mother adds, hey, Mac. Which Mac and the Pasuk are you learning this from? If you're going to say... It says in Leviticus. You must... If you hurt a person, you 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 will die. I hope we told it. Zira is talking about death. If you kill a person, so surely you're not juxtaposing uh, hitting an animal, killing an animal. Of course, you kill an animal, you you pay you pay money. You kill a person, you're put to death. He's talking about it there. If you kill, if you, if makayodim, not if you kill a person. We're talking about if you hit your parents. 
If you hit your parents, a capital crime. If you cause a wound, you cause them to bleed. If you hit your father and your mother, or obviously when they're alive, you, you lose your life. You lose your life. You get the death sentence in court. So we're not talking about that, that, that you only pay financially. No, in that case, you, you get a death sentence. Ella, rather, we learn it out. It says, If you kill an animal, you pay a soul for a soul. You have to pay, and you have to replace the animal. And right afterwards it says, If you make a wound in your friend, what you did to him, you should be done to you. So we learn that just like with the animal, it doesn't mean a soul for a soul, you kill the animal, we're going to kill you. It means you pay, you replace it. You pay, so it's over here, it means if you make a wound in your friend, you have to pay, it's a financial pay. I love Makyu. Doesn't say make it. Says yitin mum. He makes a wound. The brayse it says make make. We learn that make make. So it's clearly not that pasuk that you're saying. The gemara answers hako hako kamul. Not the word make make. Means hako wounding, hitting. Yitin mum is the same thing. Hako. He's not saying the words of make make. He's saying wounding and wounding. Hurting and hurting. When you hurt the animal, you kill the animal, you have to pay. So when you hurt a person, you have to pay. It says a person who will hit a person, he will put to, he will put to death. We're talking about he hit, not that he killed the person. What does he mean he put to death? Of course, you're not going to kill a person for wounding another person. No one will even think that. Surely the Pasuk must mean, if you took out an eye, we're going to take out your eye. We're going to kill, put you to death, your organ. The same organ that you put to death. You knocked out his eye. So too, you, you cut off his, chopped off his leg, chopped off his hand. We're going to, we're going to, you're going to die. Your leg is going to die and your eye is going to die. Yeah, you might think that, but it's not so hard. You might answer, no, same thing. Same thing. It means money. Mice humans means money. The, the value of, of the. Like the mother, how do I know the Pasuk means money? Amos say, maybe it means literally you put the organ to death. No, it doesn't enter the mind. The number one. We already learned earlier that the Torah juxtaposes it to killing an animal hurting an animal, and then you pay financially. So to a person, you pay financially. This Pasuk comes after this. So different, it can't mean the Pasuk is contradicting itself. Here the Pasuk is telling us, no, that we put the organ to death. We heard another reason, because it says immediately afterwards, after this Pasuk, just like you made a wound in the person, also you, you, you do to him. Yinasin means you give. Giving is an exchange of money. You're giving money. Okay, now the Gemara says, What did the B'raisim mean? And if you don't like what the proof that I gave you, the juxtaposition, then I'll prove you from the ransom. It says you can't ransom for death, but you could ransom for 
if you wounded a person, permanently wounded. Because you can ask, Who says you learn from a juxtaposition? From the Pasuk, Why don't you learn from Make Adam? It says, Make Adam, you must. If you hit your parents, you will die. So better learn a Make. What are you learning? From the animal. Learn one Make from the other Make. Just like when you hit your parents. You die. So when you hit a stranger, you don't die, obviously. But maybe the passing means you must say, you put that organ to death. You took and poked out an eye, we're going to poke out your eye. So that's why he brings the other proof. The Taylor says, not take ransom for murder, but you could take ransom for killing, or you could take ransom for wounding. Amri, they said, in the yeshiva, they said, no. This is not a question at all. For this, I wouldn't need a second proof. Because the first proof stands. Why? Because done in Nezikim, in Nezikim, how could you compare the two? We learn, we learn, better learn um, damage, from damage, if I damage the other person's animal. And from, from damaging a person, wounding a person. You don't learn Nezakim from Misa, damaging, wounding another, a stranger. From death, it's two separate things. There, if you hit your parents, you die. So you can't learn parents. Parents, I'm dying, and here dying that the organ dies. It doesn't make sense. It makes more sense to learn from from damage from damage. No, the Gemara says no. I'm sorry. The refutation is a good refutation because better to learn other mother, a person from a person. Just like over there, you hit your parents, you're hitting a person. And the Tater says you die. So when the Tater says he hit a stranger, you cause a wound to a stranger, a permanent replacement wound to a stranger. It also means your organ should also die. Don't learn a man from an animal. So if that's what he says. If you want to say, if you don't like the first juxtaposition, we can learn it out from elsewhere. It says, You don't take a ransom for murder. You take ransom if you cause a permanent wound in someone else. Like you pay financial. You're saying this passage comes to exclude that you don't take a ransom for knocking out a womb, uh, a limb. The Tater is telling me you can't punish a person to punish him. In other words, the Tater is telling us he can't punish him financially and kill him take his life away if you're taking his life away that's punishment enough now, even if he did financial harm financial damage you don't say well let him pay for the person the loss you took away a person and then kill him no you took you took away the provider of a family it's not enough that we're putting you to death you should your estate should be responsible to pay for all the loss they, they, they took the, the bread earner the, the, that father was killed who's going to support his family Tate is telling me no once you put a person to death there's no other punishment you can't give a person two punishments 
So how can you say the pasuk is here to teach me? You don't take ransom if you wound a person permanently. The mother answers, "Hi, this law, this law that you only punish a person one punishment, not two punishments." That I learn elsewhere. It says, nafke." I learn it out. It says, "You when you when you give a person lashes." So it says Rishasa, you don't give a person lashes and he pays. You can't give a person two punishments, two penalties. Payment and lashes. Yes. Or the same for the same token, capital punishment, you put him to death and lashes. No. You know, you put him to death, you're not giving him lashes. Oh, first let me give you lashes. First let me pay, then give you lashes, and then you're gonna die. No, no, no. You only give one. I got to me, but still the Gemara says, I still need this Pasuk. I need the Pasuk for that, for that alone that you taught me. That you can't ransom yourself. It's not extra to teach me that only in this case you don't ransom, but in other cases if you permanently wound someone, you don't poke out your eye, you, ran, you do ransom. Gemara says, if that's the only thing the Pasuk is coming to teach me, the Tater should have written, don't take a ransom because he's a rasha to die. Why does it say lenefesheritzeh? Don't take a ransom. Take a kaifel lenefesheritzeh. It's extra. Shmami, all these extra words are coming to teach me lenefesheritzeh. In addition to teaching me that you can't take a ransom to exempt you from from the from capital punishment. In addition, he's teaching me you don't take a ransom from nefesh. Only in this case of lenefesheritzeh. You do permanently wound someone, you do take a ransom. So what do I need the first, the first uh, juxtaposition, the first uh, teaching that you learn from the animal? What does it come to add? I already know this from this extra word. So I'm the answer in the yeshiva. If I only learn from this pasuk, I mean, I would think. In other words, yeah, but you give him an option. The Tater says you could take ransom. In other words, we're going to poke out your eye. But if you want, if you have the money, if you have the money, you could pay a ransom. So let's say I don't have the money. So then we're going to poke out your eye. So that's what he says. That's what the Pasuk is coming to teach me. It's only, it's only, it's exclusively, you pay financially. If you kill the animal or you wound the animal, you hurt the animal, you only pay money. There is no, you don't pay personally. It's exclusive. We don't give you that option. Oh, I don't have any money. Okay, poke out his eye. No. In the case of death, over there, we're putting him to death. You kill someone. But if you're a billionaire and you're very wealthy and you want to ransom yourself, we say we don't accept ransom. So when the Tater says, but in the case of if you wound someone, you could ransom, you would think it's the same idea. Really, we're going to poke out your eye. But we give you the option. If you're going to pay off the Shul's mortgage, fine. Then we'll, uh, you can pay. So the Tater's coming to teach me, no, it's not an option. We don't hurt another just because you poked out someone else's eye. We're not going to poke out your eye. Just because you chopped off someone else's arm and legs, we're not going to chop off your arm. Your mother says, Tanya, we learned about ice. It says, eye in Taka's eye, an eye for an eye. Mummin, it means financial. You pay the value of the eye, what it's worth in the marketplace. 
a slave market. Maybe the tater means literally an eye for an eye. So Amrit say, how could you say that? That What if his eye is big? You poked out an eye, it was a big eye. He had beautiful eyes, the most beautiful eyes in the world. And the one and the, the one who took out his eye is a small eye, has ugly eyes. I can't say an eye for an eye. It's not it's not the same. If you're gonna say in such a case, indeed. In such a case, you can't since you can't fulfill the eye for an eye. Therefore, we have no choice. We, we have to pay the financial damage, whatever it's worth in the slave market. There's only one judge across the board. You can't have different judges. You can't have a two-tier justice system. One for Democrats and one for Republicans. One, one law for everyone. One law to apply for everyone equally. Right? You can't have one law for Hunter and one law for, one law for Trump. One law for everyone. One law for everyone. Now the question is, okay. The question is, why indeed did the Torah say an eye for an eye? Since the Torah doesn't mean literally an eye for an eye, as we prove, all these three proofs. It's the third proof that the Torah must mean that it's uh, it's financial. So why does the Torah phrase it such a way, an eye for an eye? Because the truth is, the Torah is telling you that really, really, you should pay an eye for an eye. Because how much is an eye worth? It's priceless. I can't, I can't. So really, you took out an eye, it's priceless. All the money in the world can't make up for the loss and the damage that you've done. Really, you should take an eye for an eye. But the Torah says, we don't do that. You're not going to take an eye for an eye. Instead, you're going to pay. Okay, Amri, but in Yeshiva, they said, my kushi, why is this a question? Even if his eye is large, his eye is small, his eye is big, his eye is small, his eye is beautiful, his eye is ugly, Dilma, perhaps, it means Nahayda Shakamineh. When the title says an eye for an eye, it's the ability of the eye to see. I'm not looking at the, how big the eye is, how small the eye is, how pretty, how beautiful, what beautiful eyes you have. You know, you, have a, you, have a, you look like a movie actor, your eyes are like gorgeous, stunning, and this eye is the most ugliest eyes I've ever seen. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact you can see. In that sense, there's no difference in this eye and that eye. Every eye you can see. And you robbed him of his ability to see. So we have to poke out your eye. And because if you're not going to say that... Cotton, we continue on to 84a. Cotton, what if a small person kills a big person? The big person kills a small person. How can you kill him? This is nefesh tach nefesh, a soul for a soul. How could you compare? I'm taking a giant, he killed a giant, and you're taking, you're taking a, a, a 13 year old. He killed a he killed a, a little kid, a thirteen year old, and you and you're taking out taking out the giant. It's not a soul for a soul. It has to be one one justice across the board for everyone. Ella rather You took a life. We're not talking about the, the how big the life is, how small the life is, how valuable the life is, not valuable. The fact that you're alive, the fact that you're alive is no difference from Oig Melech the giant and this baby. You took a life. The fact that you're alive, the miracle of life, 
that this life can give life to a body. It doesn't matter, great, small, it's not measured in great or small, it's, it's something infinite. And therefore, it's equal justice. So therefore, refutes in the yeshiva they refuted about the story when Yehuda's proof. So that's not, this wouldn't be a question. He would still fulfill the ayin tachas ayin. So it's no proof that it means financial. To be continued tomorrow, we'll learn another proof that the pasuk doesn't mean literally; it means a financial payment. Everyone have a wonderful.